Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Okay, now I'm on. Back on the regular time, back home, after a wonderful, fun weekend with VBS. Uh, hopefully you guys got to see a little bit of it, get some of the reports. It was quite quite a bit of fun. So really, really enjoyed that. Everybody did a phenomenal job that was a part of it, that was involved in it. The team uh, from Albuquerque, is <laughs> they're recovering, I'm sure. Trying to spend this day just, uh, they got a lot of cleanup to do. They got a lot of resting to do, packing up. They're going to be heading back tomorrow after church sometime. So we'll get one more day with them, be able to fellowship with them tomorrow. So we are pushing back into the regular schedule. Let's look at this day in history, if we can. What word in English, in the English language, is spelled wrong more than any other word? (laughs) I figured this one out on my own. The word wrong, obviously, spelled more than any other word. Uh, Never let your computer know you are in a hurry. Computers can smell fear, and they will crash if they know that you're running out of time. (laughs) That is a true quote from thisdaytrivia.com, and it, it is a computer science fact, I've decided. All right, this is the big story. Just going to cover this one today because this was really important in history. People, I think, underestimate how what an impact this had on culture and also spiritually what happened during this time. 1966, the Beatles, John Lennon makes the claim in the teen magazine date time, they reprint an earlier quote in March in which he said, we're more popular than Jesus now. The cover of the magazine had the quote, I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. This prompted Beatles bonfires and banning of their music by radio stations. Lennon later stated that if I had said television was more popular than Jesus, I might have gotten away with it. Christianity will go. It will vanish and shrink. I need not argue about that. I'm right. And I'll be proved right. We're more popular than Jesus now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. Jesus was all right, but his disciples were thick and ordinary. It's them twisting it that ruins it for me. An apology by Lennon erased tensions and stopped a wave of planned bonfires during their last U.S. tour. Mark David Chapman would cite this quote and the song Imagine as the reasons he killed Lennon. Also on the cover was a quote by Paul McCartney about America. It's it's a lousy country where anyone black is a dirty N word. uh, And this prompted very little response. So that was the Beatles last tour in the United States where they made this quote. This is a lot like... Nebuchadnezzar walking on up on the wall saying, isn't all this which I have created, which I have made with the majesty of my might, 
and the Beatles, um, you you do not want to mock God or his church to the world and say that you're more popular than Jesus. That's They may have not been trying to attack Christianity head on. I'll give them that. But it's the pride of man that is his downfall. And this was a huge, huge turn. In, and, of course, it was in the culture, too, of the 60s. What happened after this? This is 1966. What happened in 19? I probably started in 66, 67. If we just saw the Jesus Revolution, it was certainly going into full string, full steam, 68, 69, the Jesus Revolution. Isn't it interesting that exactly the opposite happened after he made this statement? I think it's significant. He said, I'm going to be proven right. <laughs> We're more popular. I don't know what's going to go first, but I'm, I know about this. We're going to outlast Christianity. Christianity is going to vanish. And exactly the opposite thing happens. Lenin and the Beatles vanish. Christianity takes off there in the 60s with the Jesus Revolution. Quite amazing. Quite astounding, in my opinion. All right, on to the dad jokes here. I'm going to throw in a three. I'm throwing in a free one because this is the first one I learned. I think I heard this before I was a Christian from somebody. It's an old, old, oldie, but it's a goodie, okay? Who was the smallest person in the Bible? Everybody in your Sunday school, all the kids should know this one. Nehemiah. Okay. You guys knew that one. How about this one? This one I didn't know, but I thought this was clever. What was Boaz like before he got married? Ruthless. <laughs> if you think about it different, what was Boaz like? As in, what did he like? Okay, that's, you got to get that in context. Who was the smartest man in the Bible? But she didn't know this one, huh? Abraham. He knew a lot. That was pretty good. Now on to the reading into Psalms 106. And we are reading 111 and also 112 and 1 Thessalonians 2. Father, thank you for my brothers and sisters here gathered around your word. May we continue, God, to be fed every day as we gather in your manner. May it just be our, our strength and our sustenance, God, what continues to to build us up and keep us strong in the faith and also God just bringing in that sense of your presence and your love that we can take with us through the whole day. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, ready to go. Psalm 106, Israel's rebelliousness and the Lord's deliverance. Praise the Lord. We'll give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Who can speak of the mighty deeds of the Lord? Or who can show forth all his praise? How blessed are those who keep justice, who practice righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, in your favor towards your people. Visit me with your salvation, that I may see the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may rejoice 
and the gladness of your nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. We have sinned like our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have behaved wickedly. Our fathers in Egypt did not understand your wonders. They did not remember your abundant kindness, but rebelled by the sea at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for the sake of his name, that he might make his power known. Thus he rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up, and he led them through the depths as through the wilderness. So he saved them from the hand of the one who hated them. He redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. They quickly forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. They craved intensely in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. So he gave them their request. He sent a wasting disease among them. When they became envious of Moses in the camp and of Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord, the earth opened up and swallowed up Dathan and engulfed the company of Abiram. And a fire blazed up in their company. A flame consumed the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped a molten image. Thus they exchanged their glory for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wonders in the land of Ham, awesome things by the Red Sea. Therefore he said that he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before them to turn away his wrath from destroying them, then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe in his word, but grumbled in their tents. They did not listen to the voice of the Lord. Therefore he swore to them that he would cast them down in the wilderness and that he would cast their seed among the nations and scatter them in the lands. They joined themselves also to Baal Peor, and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their deeds, and a plague broke out among them. Then Phineas stood up and interposed, and so the plague was stayed. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness to all generations forever. They also provoked him to wrath at the waters of Mirabah, so that it went hard with Moses on their account, because they were rebellious against his spirit. He spoke rashly with his lips, They did not destroy the peoples, and the Lord commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and learned their practices and served their idols, which became a snare to them. They even sacrificed their sons and their daughters to the demons and shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and their daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with their blood. Thus they became unclean in their practices and they played the harlot in their deeds. Therefore, the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he abhorred his inheritance. Then he gave them into the hand of the nations, to those who hated them, who ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them, and they were subdued under their power. Many times he would deliver them. They, however, were rebellious in their counsel, and so sank down in their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry and he remembered his covenant for their sake. 
and relented according to the greatness of his loving kindness. Verse 46, he also made them objects of compassion in the presence of their captors. Save us, O Lord, our God, and gather us from among the nations to give thanks to your name and glory in your praise. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting. Let all the peoples say, Amen. Praise the Lord. If I had to guess when that was written, it would seem to be towards the end of the captivity. As the psalmist is praying, looking back to where they made all their mistakes and saying, Israel, we, we, we rebelled. We, went, we did not remember our forefathers and we fell into the same, the practices of the Canaanites. We went into captivity. We've been spread into all the nations. Remember us, Lord. Bring us back. Trying to encourage the people to understand their heritage and the goodness of God and where they went wrong and then to repent and come back. And and here's the thing. They might have been in captivity thinking that God was not a good God because look what they're suffering. And yet he's saying, no, we're suffering because he's a good God, because we rebelled and he had offered everything good to us. So it's an interesting comparison here. Um, and the psalmist is, is quite... Quite willing to admit his errors and the goodness of God and to try and and petition God to bring them back to where they once were. This is where we, we serve a God of mercy, God that's always willing to forgive us. It's so amazing that we have that kind of God. So let's see what the other two Psalms um, are like here. Psalm 111, the Lord praised for his goodness. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright, and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. Splendid and majestic is his work, and righteousness endures forever. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He has made known to his people the power of his works and giving them the heritage of the nations. The works of his hands are truth and justice. All his precepts are sure. They are upheld forever and ever. They are performed in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and good understanding have all those who do his commandments, his praise endures forever. Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light arises in the darkness from the upright. He is gracious and compassionate to the righteous. It is well with man who is gracious and lends. He will maintain his cause in judgment, for he will never be shaken. His righteousness will be remembered forever. He will not fear evil tidings. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear until He looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. 
He has given freely to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted in honor. The wicked will see it and be vexed. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Gotta love the consistency of these psalmists, if nothing else. They will proclaim the judgments of God and the mercies of God. They will acknowledge their own faults and sins, and even at times their outrage or their anger, but then that will turn to acknowledging the goodness of God and how God, and if they focus and if they turn their hearts towards God, then things will make sense, things will get better. That's why the Psalms are so powerful when we read them. And I'm, I'm always mentioning this because I'm always impressed by it, that these men that lived before the time of grace, before the cross, did not see God as capricious, as someone who was just demanding to be appeased, and you never knew if they were, he was going to be forgiving or not. He was an angry God that you had to try and, and, and do what you could to, to make him not angry at you. It, they, they really always talk about him in the other sense, that he was loving and kind and good and always offering to take care of them. But they were the ones that were always turning away. Quite amazing. First Thessalonians chapter 2 now. Paul encouraging these people with that had been <laughs> deceived or fallen under some bad teaching about, uh, about the coming rapture of the church, whether or not God was still coming for them or not. First Thessalonians 2. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but after we had already suffered and been mistreated in Philippi, as you know, we had the boldness in our God to speak to you the gospel of God amid much opposition. For our exhortation does not come from error or impurity or by way of deceit, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who examines our hearts. For we never came with flattering speech, as you know, nor with a pretext of greed, God is witness, nor did we seek glory from man, either from you or from others, even though as apostles of Christ we might have asserted our authority, but we proved to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, having having so fond an affection for you. We were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. For you recall, brethren, our labor and hardship, how working night and day, so as not to be a burden to any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You were witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave towards you believers, just as you know how we are exhorting and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children so that you would walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same suffering at the hand of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews 
who both killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out. They are not pleasing to God, but hostile to all men, hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so that they may be saved with the result that they always fill up the measure of their own sins. But wrath has come upon them to the utmost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short while in person, not in spirit, were all the more eager with great desire to see your face. For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. For who is our hope or joy or crown of exaltation? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Apparently there's been by this time with the Thessalonica Thessalonians, their church, a number of people that are coming in spreading false information about Paul. And they're saying, you know, Paul talked about the rapture, and they were saying that it already had come, but they're also trashing Paul and saying very negative things about Paul and, you know, rumoring that Paul's just trying to come around and get money or to get things from you, and he wants to be power trip, whatever. And he, he has to defend his ministry to these people, saying, you guys know how we came, right? We didn't come demanding money. We didn't come to authority, trying to push our authority over you. We came gentle. We came encouraging. We came to build you up. You remember the th- how we were with you. And so they could go, yeah, that's right. None of the things that these people are saying was really true when they stopped and thought about it. And I don't know why it still happens. Well, we know it's the enemy, but this inevitably happens in every church, it seems, any good church anyway, that the person who bring, brings the word and is sharing and is caring for the sheep as a pastor share, cares, shares and cares for his sheep, Ultimately, somebody's going to come in and start trashing him and say, no, he's just in it for the money. Ah, he's just in it because he has a power trip. Oh, he's just in it for whatever, blah, blah, blah. And, and people start getting this false information. And it's a sad day when the pastor has to stand up and try and, and have to defend his ministry. It's just one of those things that I guess comes in ministry. And, and, Rightly so. I mean, I've heard this said, and I guess it's, it is really true. You really need to worry if it doesn't happen to you because then you're just a people pleaser. And instead of following God, you're just trying to please men. Because whenever you stand up and just pastor the flock of God, there are going to be people that get offended by something, get upset about something, and then start accusing you falsely. Or you find yourself, you have to defend your ministry. But all Paul says, what I really appreciate by Paul. He says, look, essentially all we did was speak God's word to you and not our own words, but God's word. And he says, and and you accepted it not as coming from us, but as coming from God, because he says it is God's word. We're just the messengers. All of us that have a platform to share the word of God, whether you're you're doing it in evangelism, or you're doing it with kids, or you're doing it in Bible studies, just the messengers. And we just share what God says, and they receive it as from God, not from us. This is why we know how you really define what a ministry is, whether it's a real ministry or not. The people can, the person proclaiming the word should be able to leave, and somebody should be able to come in and take over because it's the word of God that changes lives, and it's the word of God that it builds up a church, not the person proclaiming it. So it's it's a 
beautiful thing to see humility in, in ministry in Paul, what we see here. And unfortunate he had to say this, probably to also give context to the words he's going to share with them about the rapture of the church when we get to then chapter 4, so that they can understand, I'm just telling you what the word of God is, and you need to receive it as the word of God. This is not my opinion. People, even today, are so critical of Paul. Say, I love, the Je- I love Jesus, I love the Gospels, but I don't like Paul. But Paul only shared what the Holy Spirit showed him to share and spoke. And you really got to take that into to heart when you realize that he was an apostle, chosen, walked, essentially walked with Jesus for three and a half years in Saudi Arabia. Jesus trained him, Jesus anointed him. So his words are the words of Jesus. Zephaniah 3.15, he hath cast out thine enemy. What a casting out was that? Satan has lost his throne in our nature, even as he lost his seat in heaven. Our Lord Jesus has destroyed the enemy's reigning power over us. He may worry us, but he cannot claim us as his own. His bonds are no longer upon our spirits. The Son has made us free, and we are free indeed. Still is the arch enemy the accuser of the brethren, but even from this position, our Lord has driven him. Our advocate silences our accuser. The Lord rebukes our enemies and pleads the causes of our soul so that no harm comes of all the devil's revilings. As a tempter, the evil spirit still assails us and insinuates himself into our minds, but thence also he is cast out as to his former preeminence. He wriggles about like a serpent, but he cannot rule like his sovereign. He hurls in blasphemous thoughts when he has opportunity, but what a relief it is when he is told to be quiet and is made to slink off like a whipped cur. Lord, do this for any who are at this time worried and wearied by his barking. Cast out their enemy and be thou glorious in in their eyes. Thou hast cast him down. Lord, cast him out. Oh, that thou wouldst banish him from the world. (laughs) Yeah. Amen. He's going to. It's going to happen. Let's pray. So, Father God, we do thank you and we praise you, God, for your glory and for your might and your power and ask that you would continue, God, to overcome the enemy and his, and his ways trying to preeminently you know, come against you and trying to deceive us, come into our minds and play mind games with us and trick us, God. We, we just ask that you would come boldly against that. And you give us, God, the ability to claim your name and tell the enemy to leave. So thank you. Thank you for that. Thank you for the VBS. Thank you for the kids that got their walks grounded and those that got saved, the parents that showed up. May you just minister to them. And for all the kids that served, may you do a marvelous job in their hearts. Refer As they go back to the States, be built up strength and more in love with you than ever, more excited about missions, more excited about their Bible than ever before. And God, we just give you all the glory for everything that happened there. And may you now give rest to the teams, Renee and Juan Carlos and 
Claudia and his baby, and all those who are working alongside them, God, as well as the team from Albuquerque, give rest to them, God, today. And bless tomorrow as we go into service time, and it may just be, again, another reaffirmation of your work here in PV, that people would be excited and, and see the work and, be, and just be glorifying your name. So, God, we also want to lift up those that are sick and hurting and different things going on around us. We realize um, there's a lot going on in the midst of this week of VBS. I want to pray for our friend Susanna, who just lost her mom, Enriqueta Rosa Flores. God, we want to pray that the whole Rosa Flores family is uh, comforted today and comforted and the whole family might be able to come together and, and mourn their loss. Remember a wonderful woman. Just a phenomenal woman, God. We thank you for her life. Thank you for all that you did in her life. And may you use it again as just an opportunity for the family members that don't know you to start thinking about eternity. And those who do be confirming in their minds that the most important thing we can do in our life is to develop our relationship with you and and let you be Lord over our life because it is you who are the author of life. It is you who gives life. It is you who take it away. And so it is the most prudent, good, and important and acceptable thing that we can do than to bow our, our hearts and our lives before you. And thank you for the life we have. And, and, and thank you for the life of the people that, that you gave us to be in our lives. And to simply lift your name up and know that you have control of these things. So thank you for them. Thank you for the whole Burks family, this uh, that we know so well, and the kids, and we just pray for a special time uh, with them together. They just pile love upon each other and uh, remember this wonderful woman. So thank you for that. Um, thank you for the opportunity to know them. And, Father, we um, want to re- remember those that are sick and hurting. Um, still, the Castor Lions, God, that you help those those girls that need to get this bacteria out of their their brains and around in their minds and their around their body that's causing all of these issues and that and then we want to pray for a miraculous healing of their brains so they can start thinking again and interacting grow for like girls their own age so thank you for them and father thank you for the safety that you gave us safety of the team the vehicles working thank you for the electricity came back on god uh, we do want to pray god that you would help our electrician and and get that all figured out so the electrician will work tomorrow. And also, God, we pray for the salvation of our electrician who is constantly around us, probably your plan to keep him around us, God. So we thank you for whatever power issues we have just so we, we can keep ministering to him. So we pray for his salvation, his wife, his whole family. So thank you again for this wonderful day that you've given us in Jesus' name. Amen. That will do it, guys. i got to go open a door. It's getting rather warm in here. So see you tomorrow at nine o'clock and that means i got to get a another podcast out for tomorrow so be looking for that okay god bless y'all see you at nine bye-bye